Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's... Those Telly Guys. Alright, Morgs, we're back, episode three. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, stoked to be here again, Richard. And uh, we're not alone in this episode, Morgs. We're bound for South Australia. We're bound for South Australia. Who have we got with us? That's correct. We have Mr. Sam Ferguson joining us tonight, all the way from his humble abode in Adelaide. How are you, Sam? Hey, Rich. Hey, Morgs. Oh, I'm good. Uh, yeah, COVID-free over here. So, yeah, I'm travelling well. Stoked to be on the show. And it's good to have you here as you are one of the original 75 million dead crew when we um, made that kind of joke slogan. What do you think of the first two episodes? Uh, first two episodes. It is good to, on that first point. Yeah, good to see you guys still pushing hard, give, doing a podcast. And uh, I'm sure there's been uh, numerous downloads and probably breaking Spotify. So, so yeah, it's good to see that that tradition of the Free Hill continuing. And yeah, from small roots. Um, I remember a couple of years ago starting that movement in Mount Beauty. And yeah, good to see it. Continuing. The first two episodes, wow. I feel like it's a good, easy listening um, podcast. Something good for good for the drive, weekend drives or the ride to work or you can just listen to it anywhere really. It's not, not too heavy um, and good, good laugh. That's good. Thanks, Ferg. And now you'll be able to listen to yourself, so that's important. Well, I tell you now, we were well. We were shaking like a shitting dog. That's how nervous Morgan and I were. Are you feeling any nerves at the moment? Yeah, I got some sweaty armpits. No, yeah, one one beer deep. So yeah, I'm not too bad at the moment. Before we move forward, Morgs, I just want to clarify that you actually do have a pet rabbit at home, and that wasn't a euphemism at all. No, yeah, that's correct. His name is Cyril. Uh, he's probably the bane of my existence, but yes, I, there is a pet rabbit that lives in the same household as myself. Awesome. Um, and today's episode, of course, is what's in the shed. We'll be talking about the gear that we use down here, and it kind of is a reflection on what a lot of other people might use as well. But before we do that, uh, the Bogong Bulletin Morgs. This is the Bogong Bulletin. Bring it on. Very good. So um, a lot of news across the country. Only recently after we made episode two, it seems that New South Wales lifted their restrictions straight away, announcing that the ski season would go ahead. And only a few days later, Victoria also announced that the ski season will go ahead. So that's pretty huge news for Brian. It is. It's huge news for, for everyone around, I suppose, all, all people with a vested interest in the Australian winter season. But I guess it still remains to be seen how it's going to play out. Is there going to be strict social distancing enforced on the chairlifts inside, you know, establishments on the mountain? How is it going to manifest, I suppose, when the season well and truly kicks off? Yeah, absolutely. And you only got to scratch, you kind of scratch your head wondering how the chairlift line can operate, how people can stay up there in accommodation. Of course, they've announced uh, that you can stay up there, but you're not allowed to use shared spaces and all those various hotels and things are designed around shared spaces. And let's not ignore that um, New South Wales and Victoria are fine to travel interstate and go to various snow destinations. But South Australia, Fergs, what's your situation at the moment? Oh, COVID-free, pretty much. I think we had one case. The car's serviced, ready, uh, for when the borders open up. Uh, the, the question remains on yeah how everything will work up 
on the mountains, I believe, like um, things like the club um, lodges, which rely on communal living, yeah, bunk accommodation, throwing eight people in a room and having communal kitchens and whatnot. It'd be interesting to see how a ski resort would work like that, or, or the, all the lifties crammed in together. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the next couple and of weeks. And as a previous lifty yourself at Mount Hotham, you'd know exactly what it's like to be crammed in there in a room with eight people, just like sardines, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, got COVID to deal with, but mix in syphilis and gonorrhea, and you got a <laughs> combination. Of- It's not really nice out there. You could, you could say that's as much as you could say. It's just a petri dish of bad news, isn't it? Yeah. How the resorts are going <laughs> to justify an entry. Wow, I don't think I'll go skiing at all, given that news. <laughs> now, no. Some other items. We've had um, some more snow, although we have had some warm weather as well. So anything that was a top-up seems to have melted away. It's more of a... Romantic dusting at the moment, getting people excited for the season ahead. But the Bureau Morgues, maybe you can touch on this. I know you mentioned it in one of the past episodes, but they're saying some big things. Yeah, they, they have announced that this is looking like it could be one of the best seasons in a little while. And uh, if my memory serves me well, I was reading a news article earlier today, and it was that the El Nino Southern Oscillation is, is neutral. So that's uh, that's good news for the Australian winter season, I believe. So it could be could be big dumps. Yeah, and we love big dumps, don't we? Absolutely. And um, the the last item in the, the newsroom here, Kangaroo Hoppet will not be running this year, which is probably the biggest the biggest free heel event in Australia. I think it's of course a part of the World Loppet Series. It's a cross country ski race, a marathon distance, and it would have been the thirtieth edition of the race, but it's not going ahead, and that's pretty sad. Yeah, and that's that's another massive loss for Mount Beauty and surround as well because, as we all know, there are so many international travellers, particularly from Europe and North America, that come to Australia to Falls Creek to race in the Loppet, uh, the Kangaroo Hobbit, because it is, as you just mentioned, part of the World Loppet series. So it's going to it's going to hit hard, I think. You know, but there's going to be a lot of businesses suffering as a result of. You know, these things, and obviously international travel is, you know, that's, that's just not going to happen for quite some time, you would imagine. No, not at all. And for those playing at home, Falls Creek is on the Bogong High Plains. So a lot of kind of nice undulating hills, perfect for cross-country skiing. And a lot of our elite athletes in that sport come here to train at Falls Creek. So it'll be interesting to see if we do have as much cross-country skiing grooming, if the demand's going to be there. And the whispers are that it's not going to be, which is sad news for XC skiing in general. And I remember, Rich, a couple of years ago, uh, pit crewing yourself and Cole on the on the hoppet. And just the vibe up there was, uh, yeah, quite amazing that that can draw, I guess, yeah, good vibe amongst the big crowd. I guess maybe with, you, you know, with COVID, are we going to see, you know, the stoke or the vibe that we used to see? So hopefully we can maybe see that in, um, yeah, maybe some backcountry or whatever skiing happens this year. Yeah, absolutely. And you were a perfect pit crew, by the way. You threw me a hot dog at the halfway point, and uh, that got me over the line, and I really appreciate that. Second place that year? Uh, yeah, just behind Phil Bellingham. He managed to nudge me out. And Morgs, it's probably worth mentioning we've got a mailbag. You've got mail. Oh, do yes. we? Um, we actually had one of the previous ski patrollers at Mount St. Guinier email us. Did you see that? I did see did that. You maybe tell us a little bit more about that, perhaps. Oh, well, I don't have, have the email. <laughs> 
have the email open in front of me at the moment. But uh, yeah, that was Tony Clark. He, he emailed in, and uh, yeah, he was he was talking about uh, his his glory days back on Mount Saint Guinier, where you know you used to be able to ski reliably between Mount Saint Guinier and Mount Borbor, and back in a day, and that was obviously in the time before before global warming was was a thing. Obviously, now you can't do that because Mount Saint Guinier hardly gets any snow. <laughs> but um, but yes, and Tony said, like many of us do, he suffered from the the Zoolander effect in that he he can't turn left. <laughs> so a free healer from way back. And uh, the last thing to mention is that we did have someone message us from Scandinavia somewhere. I'm not sure which country, saying that they do save snow. Of course, we mentioned this at the end of episode two that um, there was the resort of Levi, I believe that was trying to store snow under some sort of magical blanket for the following season. And someone's messages and said, that's a thing and it works really well. And so we'll have to try and chase that one up and see if we can get in touch with that person and, and hear more about it. And more importantly, find out where they get those blankets from. There could be a real market for, for this in Australia. So, um, moving on to tonight's topic, what's in the shed? What is in the shed? I suppose we're going to um, just kind of ask each other the gear that we've had kind of in chronological order from the very beginning to now and talk about some some different bindings and different ski setups and, and why we use things a certain way and maybe um, touch on the binding that we all love dearly. Maybe we'll start with uh, Fergs. 2012, I did that lifty season in, in uh, Hotham. Got out disease-free, which was good. I set up that year. This was back when the Australian dollar was really good. So buying from a website called backcountry.com was the best option. And so I got on backcountry.com and uh, searched up tele bindings, I guess. Um, and I, I heard that you, along the road you could mount them to alpine skiing bind, uh, skis. And so I purchased a boot size that I think was around my range. And I ended up being... Good, it fitted, so it was a good start. Um, and they were Garmont Voodoos, so I'm still skiing on them to this, to this day. They're a bit worn and torn. Um, we'll get into some of the mods that I've done on them maybe a bit later, or do you want to touch on that now? Yeah, I think um, you are referring to the uh, bellow protectors or the bellow guards there. You do have a pretty, you have a pretty unique way of um, protecting those. Yeah, so in I guess in short, I uh, I use old dustpans to protect my bellows. I think it was in my university days when um, you know living off government government funding, bin diving, you know, trying to make it week to week, um, and my bellows got worn down. I was telling a bit too hard in those days with a bit too poor a technique and uh, wore my bellows down. And I realised that there's some screws in the bellow protectors. So being the young uni student inquisitive i got a screwdriver and unscrewed them i was like oh i can get replacements and i tried to do the proper thing and went online and searched for new bellow protectors and asked the asked dougie down at emc he asked him if he had any replacements but to no avail so i took it to myself and i saw an old dust pan with a little broom on it and thought i got an angle grinder i can fashion a bit of plastic out of this and yeah i got some nice blue bits of plastic sticking off my telly boots so i'm pretty pretty stoked with my bellow protectors there so he says angle grinder but i think i walked into his house when he was halfway through the process and he had one of the steak knives from his kitchen he was cutting the, the handle of the dust pan up maybe maybe even a butter knife <laughs> It was something with a bit of serration. And those boots you've still got today. Yeah, still got them. And oh, I think they're quite close to being retired, which could that be a pivotal moment in 75 mil career? Who knows? But yeah, they're pretty close to being retired. 
and still going. And well. I believe you might be alluding to going NTN, which is something I don't think any of us have tried yet. And it's not that we're against it, we just haven't tried it. And because we believe our 75mm gear is, is quite good still. Good enough, yeah. isn't it? Um, and so that was part point. of that original setup with the Armadas. Yeah, the Armadas. Oh, I can't even remember what model Armada they they were. They were called L Rays, and back then they were a park ski actually. Um, and the reason that I bought them was once again because they were the cheapest, so they fitted my budget, and so I bought them. One thing I did want was a binding that could tour or had tour mode. I did know about that, so yeah, I found axles. They were reasonable price. Yeah, they fitted my price range, so I went for them and. Had that set up for a number of years, so for the season, um, throughout Hotham, you know, put up with being called all sorts of um, adjectives throughout the season, being the only lifty ever, um, apparently, at Hotham. That's what I got told by one of the supervisors, yeah. You know, being a, being a bit of a social outcast for the year amongst the snowboarders. So, yeah, that set up lasted me many years and being a softer ski i guess it, it handled all conditions quite well it was quite skinny underfoot um which is, i guess was a disadvantage once i'd skied some fatter skis but you know did everything quite well except for powder so yeah went for that for a, quite a while um and then i managed to upgrade a couple of seasons ago uh to some black crows some i think they were camox freebirds which is the touring version of one of their skis and it was quite a light Big rocker backcountry touring ski with, of course, axle bindings. I found them a bit hard to bit hard to handle in the rough stuff in the resort. Yeah, didn't didn't enjoy them too much inside the resort. Great in the powder or backcountry, but bit bit too light. Got bucked around a little bit, and perhaps that put me off skiing. Put you off tally skiing. Uh, I believe Morgs might have some stern words to to say to you about that. Yeah. I mean, last episode, uh, the viewers might have heard that we referred to you as Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker, going to the dark side. And obviously, you know, in, in myself, I see Luke Skywalker and, and Rich is, is, is like Ray, I suppose. And we're trying to bring you back to the light side of the Force. So, so please, Ferg, uh, don't give in to the Emperor and please come back to the light side of the Force. I mean, yeah, it, I did. I have been, I guess you'd say, visiting dark time recently yes well and, and i would expect that um given that your your opportunities to ski will be limited coming from south australia i would expect that at, at least 80 percent of your time will be on the tellies ferg so so it'll be good uh good to have you across and, and skiing telemark with us but but rich you obviously talked about in episode one how you got into telemark skiing um through your your some sort of instructor was telling you that uh, that's that's a telly turn that's a bit beyond you but um, obviously at some point you stepped into your own pair of snug telemark boots and and when was that and what were they well it took it took a while from that moment but i actually tried it again in canada when i did a season over there these german ski instructors were saying we come and try telly and I said, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, I'll give it a go. And had the most horrific time. The the bellows of whatever boot I was wearing, I can't remember. Every time I would move forward into the Talmark stance, the bellows would almost um, cut my toe in half in a sense. So they would dig down into my toes. And I, I really thought, why would anyone do this? After thinking it looked really cool and then experiencing that pain, it was something just horrific. But have obviously since learned that 
it was just whatever boot I was wearing at the time wasn't right for me. But since then, uh, I suppose the, the first year at uni, I picked up a pair of old Kahoo Spires with uh, Rotafella chili peppers on them and um, they were pretty cheap and I, I bought a pair of uh, crispy XPs from Talamark Down. Uh, we got a big group order in for a bunch of other people that wanted to try it. So we got, got it through Talamark Down and that was awesome. Also got a pattern-based setup with that to kind of go touring with uni because we did various trips and that was all pretty good. Um, I really didn't like the the Rotterfeller bindings, the, um, the chili peppers. They would just randomly um, come off. They, of course, they, are, they would come off because... They had the din, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Well, I don't think it's a certified din. They definitely um, were advertised as being a releasable binding, but it would it would come off at a drop of a hat. Like, um, yeah, someone would put in a put in a hard turn, and that. Well, not even someone would sneeze nearby, and they'd just fly off my feet. You know, that's how bad they were. <laughs> Extremely annoying. And of course, after after that, managed to pick up a pair of Kahoo Team 100s with the 70M releasable binding on them from a, a snowboarder mate that tried out Telemark skiing on Mount Feathertop for the first time. Didn't work out for him, so he sold them pretty quickly after that. And they are awesome. I've still got those Team 100 skis. Um, of course, Kahoo don't really exist anymore. Kind of um, through line, they made the profit and they're not making those anymore. Uh, pretty good all-mountain ski. The 7TM binding was kind of good. Uh, obviously, I don't find it that powerful at all, but I really don't like the, the screw mounting system on it because it snapped and they flew straight off the binding. Um, and not, not in the normal releasable way like you'd expect them to come off. The whole binding came off and... Almost destroyed your ski. They almost did destroy the ski and... Um, managed to fix them up but uh, have since heard that uh, that's pretty common well I shouldn't say common I don't want to rag out in the binding too much but it has happened to some other friends that have also had that 7TM binding after that hooked up with the uh, Free Hill Life crew and uh, brought a pair of bindings online and they were of course the the axles and have never looked back since then so i'm guessing rich uh when your binding came off that was the end of the skiing that day yes i um had to leave morgan and brenny and i'm guessing morgan and brenny paid for full price lift tickets that day (laughs) absolutely absolutely Uh, yeah anyone skiing at falls creek must pay full price samuel Anyway, uh, <laughs> better edit that one out. There's not anything really new. Oh no, the um, the the forefront Cody's when I did a lot of alpine skiing before the enlightenment period of my life. We're sitting in the shed, and I thought I was just going to sell them until um, you guys suggested putting some tally bindings on them. And it just so happens that Rhythm Snowports had some crazy sale. They were selling some pairs pretty cheap, so I brought a pair for my wife um and she loves those bindings too and mounted the another pair onto those and they are awesome in powder i think we should probably hear the story about how morgs got to the um the giant wooden door the giant wooden door of the titanic yes well of course similar to you rich um the the free hill journey really for me began at university when i i purchased the set of pattern base xcd cross-country downhill or touring skis as they're known in australia so yeah they would fisher skis with some g3 bindings and you know i've still got those but yeah and, and then at one point i actually bought a pair of skis for 70 dollars. there were some downhill skis they were some type of atomic ski i don't even know what what the name the model of the ski was but yeah they were atomic skis 
and they actually had the 22 Designs hammerheads on them. So for all the hammerhead fans out there, yeah, I, I had a pair of, of hammerheads and they they were great. I mean, they were basically the same as a 22 Designs axle, obviously, but they don't have tour mode, which was terrible when I tried to take them touring. <laughs> so so that's why, well, I actually ended up with, a, with another pair of skis, the... <laughs> And this is the giant wooden door of the Titanic, which also had 22 Designs hammerheads on them. So they're uh, Liberty double helixes that weigh in at somewhere around uh, 125 millimetres underfoot and 145 at the tips. And you would think that uh, by those measurements, they'd only be good for powder or for uh, perhaps paving the new concrete on your driveway but they're actually quite good for skiing in all conditions i believe or at least i've somehow convinced myself that that is the case and i still ski them to this day even though there's chunks missing all over from my wayward skiing but i love them dearly and i still have them but these days i do i have <coughs> come to some sense and put a pair of 22 designs axles on them which is great so they're fantastic for touring because they're actually quite light they have the bamboo core and a couple of years ago i bought some line supernaturals that also have axles on them and they're okay i like to ski them sometimes but not very often if anyone wants to buy them they're probably for sale but yes but yeah that's where i'm at with my tally career and where did you get the axles from uh my first pair of axles i actually bought on ebay from a guy in the united states i don't know where he was or what his name was but uh funny story with that actually i bought them and obviously he shipped them to me in australia in melbourne and it had been it had been like three or four weeks you know winter was approaching i was like man where are these where are these bindings like what's going on and and i sort of you know like was looking through australia post obviously who would do the delivery once the the package was in australia and they said oh you know you should hit up uh, customs and so i you know ended up like having a couple of emails back and forth with customs and they're like you know you need to call this number da 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 because it's like your package is being is being withheld or it's it's being held in customs and i was like what's going on your cocaine order got mixed yeah and i, th- I thought order. well i just thought i thought oh maybe you know maybe they x-rayed these things and they're like you know, you can imagine the parts of a, of a telemark binding, you know, there's wires, there's like metal plates, there's like that weird thing that we know as the heel throw. And they're probably thinking like, what oh, is this guy trying to make a bomb or something? Or like, anyway, I called these people up and they're like, oh no, they, it was just, it was just a dispute over like the work, the value of the product. I had to prove how much I'd paid for it, you know, which was only like $250 or something. But, um, you know, because if you're importing something that is of greater value than $1,000 into Australia, you have to pay import tax on it. Then I had to go chase up this guy from America and say, can you just say how much I paid for these? But yeah, so that was... I think Customs might have just been a bit worried that you were going to shred the gnar a little bit too much, mate. Yeah, they were just worried that another free heel dickhead was trying to get some axles <laughs> in Australia. Another one of those bloody hippies, lentil munchers. They'll be check- yeah, they'll be checking your uh, trailer load of lentils coming in from the subcontinent soon. I did ask that question to highlight how tricky it is to get gear here. And it's it's not all that hard to buy um, new tally gear through one of the, the few shops that stock it and are happy to ship it in. But you have to give them some warning in advance that you'd, you'd like that. Otherwise, you might not get what they have on the shelf. 
to suit you, which is a bit of a problem. That's why it's kind of you snap up what you can when you find it or you, you purchase through online stores like backcountry.com. And I know some other people don't like that website anymore, but it's uh, one of few options that we have. So we definitely still use it as that viable option. And, and before this COVID stuff really picked up, I actually did a bit of panic buying and, and bought a couple of pairs of axles that someone popped up on Guntree for that reason. They were selling super cheap. Oh. Uh, they're only 200 bucks each and uh, I snapped them up. So 400 bucks, two sets of bindings. Wow. Yeah. So just future-proofing my career as a, a 75 million dead skier, I suppose. Yeah, well, I mean, there's only two stores in Victoria that I can think of, both in Melbourne, that actually sell Telemark gear, really. And one of them is still selling, you know, gear from five, six years ago at, yeah. at full full price. Yeah. And the other one is EMC. So we won't name no. the one that's, that's doing it. We won't. Well, that's soon to be soon to be three retailers then out of Rich Wilson's garage then. Yeah, yeah, but he's not in Melbourne. But yes, Victoria. Yeah, there is a, probably a bit of stock I could clear out. Can I throw in um, a setup that I've enjoyed getting in the past? Um, so one of the schools that I used to work for um, that would do cross-country ski touring um, as part of the curriculum would have the, the triple N bindings, if we're familiar with that, more of a cross-country style setup quite skinny ski you know 50 60 underfoot um and i guess the rush that you get standing at the top of a hill hoping to get to the bottom still standing up is something else having skied pretty stiff plastic boots and cable bindings um having some leather boots and triple n bindings that's something else it's like a lottery it's like it's like going to the omeo rodeo and uh jumping on a bull you don't know what's gonna happen yeah, as Josh Madsen would say, telemark is a downhill technique and it doesn't matter what you're on as long as you're doing the technique, it's still telemark skiing. But Jesus, we're going to have to give that a bit of a go this season, um, maybe go back in time and use some old leather boots to really see what it was like back in the day. And uh, for the listeners out there, Rich, is Brian actually still selling any of those leather boots that we managed to snaffle a few off last year he is so morgs and i will give that a go later on in the season at some point but brian is still selling um, those leather boots from way back when to find a ski that'll go with them an old rat trap and you'll be laughing while we are on the topic of boots not using the xp so much anymore i've gone to the the garment energies found those at a ski sale brand new condition pretty much 100 bucks which can happen sometimes a lot of people try tally and then in australia and then don't want to do it anymore because it's too hard and then they just flog it off for really cheap so i was definitely lucky at that point but morgs what are you running these days well the last couple of years i've been skiing the black diamond custom boots which are the giant purple one and they've been really good really stiff and really accommodate the double helixes but they are probably the slightest bit too small and in the last well in the northern winter that's gone in, in japan and the southern winter before that in australia i suffered from a severe bout of telly toe and my toenail has fallen off at least twice, gone black and fallen off and then regrown and then fallen off again. So I think I'll probably move back to my other pair of boots, uh, Scarpa T1. So, so yeah, I have I have those. But the only reason that I bought the Black Diamond ones because I was in Australia, uh, I was in New Zealand with Ferg and uh, this, this random outdoor equipment store was selling all of their Telemark boots for 
like 85% off. So I got them for 150 New Zealand dollars, which was pretty amazing. An absolute bargain. That's that's some dedication to the to the telly turn, having lost a couple of plus lost a couple of toenails. I guess um, what I've noticed from that is that you know you don't have to pay pay top dollar or have find what's cheap, find what's what you find at that old boot car boot sale, and get on that and have a rip. And you know, even if it's not the stiffest plastic boot, you're still gonna have a good time. Yeah, I reckon if you're you're new to telly, you know, don't necessarily go for the newest and the greatest bindings. I would say. Um, because you don't know any difference anyway. Find it you can, give it a go, see if you like it first, or buy the most expensive stuff, realise you don't like it, sell it, and we'll pick it up for a bargain. Either way, um, we'll, all, we'll all be happy. Well, that's all we have time for here, gents. Thanks very much for being on the show. Another episode done. Morgs? Thank you. See you next time. Uh, don't forget to wax those skis. Yes. Catch you later, Fergs. See you later. Ta-ta now. Bye. Those telly guys hope you have enjoyed this program. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at thosetellyguys at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe for more fun episodes. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you. (laughs) 